Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, my first guest today ditched his three-piece suit to live life as an entrepreneur. That's got good things and bad things right there. He left a career as a general merchandise manager in department stores and sitting in the executive suite. He was working a big box retailing job. I'm telling you, in the C-suite, and he left it to pursue his passion, and it's turned into a multi-million dollar success story. It's just amazing. He worked at Lord & Taylor, Macy's. In 2010, Evan Dash founded Storebound, a company that focuses on making products that makes life easier to live a healthier lifestyle. I've got some of his products. I absolutely love him. He's a good friend of mine. He's just been a great guy, and Storebound embodies what living unprocessed is all about. He's also one of our Hero Club members in the C-Suite Network, and he's helping us with a really big project right now. We're going to be talking about that in the show. So listen up and welcome Evan Dash to All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. It's good to have you. And you're in New York. We got you right in New York. You're down in Fidei. I know you only live a block away from my daughter, which is kind of cool. I, I, not that everybody else knows where that is or what, but that's way down by uh, the, the the World Tower. Yep. Yeah, yeah right, right down, down here where no nobody really lives. I mean, it, it's all business all the time, but it's like a movie set now. It's kind of a ghost town with quarantine going on and just amazing that your daughter's a block away. Yeah, you know, but, and by the way, most people don't know in New York, there are times of the week or in certain places uh, where it is, it's empty. Like on, like Sunday morning, Times Square, you go down there, could I go have a breakfast? I live about three or four blocks away and no one's there. Or Fidei, for instance, where you're at on the weekend, no one's down there, right? Yeah, when, we, when we moved in here, there were, the restaurants were open for lunch and they closed for dinner. And my wife and I spend a lot of time walking around trying to figure out where we could eat at night. Yeah, well, there are a couple of good places down there. There's ooh, Francis Tavern. I love that place. Yeah, and uh, a couple of a couple other ones that I really like. Hey, my first question is, uh, why did you decide to ditch the 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 suit? Uh, even though you got a jacket on today, why did you why did you decide to to you know to ditch that? And when did you know that it was time for you to leave corporate America? It's, it's a great, it's a great question. And corporate America was so unbelievably good to me. And um, I really, I love the experience. I'd never be where, where I am today without kind of getting that, that upbringing and that kind of a pedigree. But I started my career at um, Lord and Taylor, which was, is now one of the oldest companies in North America, part of the Hudson Bay trading group from um, go dates back to the 1500s and um, went through their executive training program was a buyer of men's men's tailored clothing so the whole uh, suit and sport yeah. coat thing kind of die, dies hard even with casual Fridays I still <laughs> like to do formal Fridays yeah. Um, yeah. and I I got the experience of working in a number of different product categories at a really young age had a great opportunity to go over to Macy's as um, VP of strategic planning and I was actually doing just really cool projects in a department store environment, working um, and reporting into the highest levels of the company, had great exposure, 
um, got to be part of the group that was building the, the backend infrastructure for Macy's.com back when people were saying higher ups um, around different companies were saying nobody's going to shop on the internet. I mean, that wasn't that long ago when you think about it right. and um, right. bounced around a little bit, but ultimately left Macy's as their youngest executive committee member, was running a $4 billion business. And um, where it really happened for me is that the real fun of the job, that being into the product side of it and meeting with people who were really bringing out innovation had gone away because when I started, we had 70 stores. And when I left, we had 700. So it was acquisition, acquisition, integration. And it really took me away from what really inspired me. And it got to the point that um, I really wanted to heed my entrepreneurial calling. And um, being in the home business, I really fell in love with the home category. Chefs were becoming celebrities. The Food Network was big. And I felt like I could actually be a better retailer from the supplier side and leverage what I knew about retail. So hired a, a team of just amazing um, ex-retailers. So my wife who started the company with me was a buyer at Bed Bath & Beyond, hired people from Target, QVC, uh, many other retailers. And we felt like we could serve retailers much better. So we found kind of a sleepy category of housewares that um, these old stodgy heritage brands weren't really bringing out innovation and we felt like we could outperform. So started it back in uh, 2010 and it has just been the best decision that I ever made. Now, and now business uh, that started and well, right there in the apartment, although you're still kind of working in the apartment, right? Yeah. Back, back to working in the apartment, just like, uh, just like old times, you know, yeah, it's, but, it's but, but running, but running, a you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in, in, a, as a company, which is uh, just right. absolutely amazing. Talk about the products that you have now under Storebound. Cause let's do that. And then I'm going to talk about retail because, because you're also supplying retail, but selling direct too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So our, our business, I mean, we, we truly believe in the retail model. I mean, it's, it's changed, but I mean, the majority of business is going through retail and um, I'd rather take the expertise that we have there to work through retailers. So what I tell people is we make cool stuff. Um, we have a focus on healthy living, better living. Um, we supply brands like our own um, last name, which is Dash. Um, we supply Dash branded housewares focused on better living. We've always had the, the slogans, eat good, feel good, and happiness is homemade. And those in this COVID world and everybody being quarantined at home, I mean, th those have never been more relevant. So a brand is so well positioned and we're really thriving in this type of environment. We also do some laundry products. We have the number one consumer rated um, clothes iron and we've licensed the Maytag brand, which is now owned by Whirlpool. So we distribute that. We also introduced smart furniture a few years ago, and we did that through crowdfunding. We ran a few crowdfunding campaigns, raised about $4 million, and we have a smart coffee table and a smart side table under the Sobro brand. And then finally, we work with some personalities. Um, one of our, our biggest is Iron Chef Jeffrey Zakarian. Um, he's become a, a great friend and just an amazing, amazing chef and businessman. And he's got an incredible family. And we've worked to put him on QVC with some really, really innovative cookware that's been absolutely rocking. So we have... Um, we, we've got a number of different brands out in the market. Each brand is segmented out to a different type of consumer, but all of the products really have great innovation, great story to tell. And then we, we use our, our knowledge of B2B and retail to get the distribution out there.
You know, I tell you what, you know, you talked about celebrity chefs, celebrity spokespeople. You know, I'm interested. I'm available, Evan, uh, to to do a bacon product. OK, just something with bacon, the best bacon maker in the world. OK, we're, we're going to take all it all in. OK, let's take it. We're going to take it. Think about it. Right. Think about how you want to do it, because we're going to take a break and come right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back and we're with Evan Dash, the CEO of Storebound. You're talking about an overnight success in the making course. We say overnight, it takes a little while to make those overnight success, but doing hundreds of millions of dollars, doing just great products for people. And of course, you're going to get my excitement with this. After the first time I met him, went to dinner with he and his wife, uh, we kind of, we had a bromance, fell in love with each other. And he's just a top-notch guy. And as is his wife, who are the co-founder of the company, CEO of Storebound. You got to check this company out. Um, I know that you will as a result of this. And of course, we're live right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as we're doing a live cast of All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on C-Suite Radio. So Evan, I, I spoke about bacon. Do you have a bacon maker yet? We don't. We don't, but I need that in my brother, life. Brother, brother, we need this. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I, I'm all in. Oscar Meyer, Oscar Meyer follows me so much because I talk about bacon so much. They've offered me the Wienermobile whenever I want it. Okay. Amazing. So someone wrecked it here recently. So I didn't get it. And then with this COVID thing, I, I got, you know what? We could have some real fun with that. We should think about it. Maybe a scotch, you, I'm, a I'm, scotch I'm chiller, in. a scotch chiller. Okay. And a bacon making machine. Whoa. I mean, that was Dude. one of the when you put on the the um, the business forum for us back in uh, in December in New York City, and yeah. Chef Todd English came in and he said the secret to his success was one thing: bacon. Bacon. I'm telling you, we we got to do this. Well, I, I'll be the spokesperson for it. Okay, I'll, right. I'll I'll do it. I'll I'll I think I believe I own about four or five sites with bacon in it. Like. Uh, I mean, all kinds of my bottom years ago. And, and I still think I have bacon. You know what? I have, the, I believe I own Bacon Meister. <laughs> I think I own that. We'll have to figure that out. We'll come back to that. So let's talk about retail a little bit. What do you think, you know, you, you, we, we're in the middle of this COVID crap. Um, and that's really what it is, CC COVID crap, okay? I'd like to say something stronger, but my team is asking me not to get red lettered and all the, the uh, you know, with bad language. So I'll do my best. What do you think, what, what holds the future for retail right now? I, I mean, I, I love retail and I think retail is going to thrive in certain ways, ways, shapes and forms, but it's yeah. going to be an evolutionary process and it's going to take a lot of creativity on the side of retailers. I mean, when I started my career um, back at Lord & Taylor, there were over 130 different department store companies around the country. And when you think about it today, there's um, less than a handful and there's yeah. been just too much consolidation and that kind of consolidation waters things down. It makes it a little bit too vanilla and department stores need to get back to their roots of really being special, really attracting those customers with great flagship stores, amazing discoveries and things that you didn't know, know were out there. But at the same time, I mean, we really look at our business and, and at the beginning, most investors are potential investors and we don't have any investors today. Most of the potential investors that we were meeting with were all about figuring out how to go direct to consumer. And we felt that the best path for us was going through the retailer. The retailers had these big robust channels and they connect with the consumer. They've got distribution. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, people, people if- underestimate that. I mean, yeah, you can go direct. I get that. But do you help you, your Kager, your cost of acquisition per customer is off the charts as opposed right. to I talk to six retailers and I move millions of products. There's a yeah. big difference. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And we, and we have this unique, unique ability to go in, sit down across from a retailer and say, we sat in your seat. We know your pressure. We know every time your phone rings, every time you get an email, your day gets worse. We're going to be an extra set of hands for you. We're going to tell you what to do. We're going to tell you how to do it. We're going to set you up for success. And that model has really just built these great collaborative relationships. So to me, it's really omni-channel retailers are going to have the ability to thrive today, thrive next week, thrive next year, on and on. You know, Amazon has built a, an incredible mousetrap that gives people everything and it makes it as convenient as possible. There are, um, and they are good for so, so many things. But to me, there's no substitute to walking into a store, feeling what the linens feel like, feeling what the clothing looks like, trying something on, making sure that it fits, seeing the breadth of what's available to you with your eyes. There's no substitute for that. Yeah, I just recently just had a bad uh, online experience where I love to wear a vest. I love a I love good vest. My wife hates that I like that, but I like good vests. And so I decided to go buy some really nice ones, really nice ones. Someone told me about this site. I ordered them. I couldn't get my arm through the armhole, okay? <laughs> and it said it was a double X, okay? I couldn't, I don't, maybe a double X if you're a pygmy, maybe, but there you go. So there is something to go trying it, touching it, tasting it, see what the buttons feel like. I like that. I think I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, the, so I mean, the other thing that's interesting about retail is they they need to select brands that resonate with the consumer. It's no longer just put the stuff onto the shelf and hope that it moves off. You need to pick suppliers who have the ability to, yeah, to to drive that through. So we have over a million social media followers. We have influencers that we work with that, that ups our, our reach to over 10 million, um, 10 million consumers. And we're giving them great content that they want. So at the time that they see us in store or when we offer them discounts or incentive, I mean, we, we wind up selling through product at a much higher rate than our competitors do. You know, uh, I think we're going to go back to a, a different kind of retail in the future where we're more focused on the customer, less products, but more vertical in what they like and want. You know, and it, it's not about, it's not like, so like in a lot of things, brands for a lot of times focus on eyeballs and ears, right? That's what we did. Eyeballs and ears, get as many as we can rather than hearts and minds. I think retails need to go back to hearts and minds. How can I capture that customer experience? How can I give them everything that they, that they want? I mean, go back to Sears days when I was growing up as a kid, you know where we shop? Sears. If you couldn't get it at Sears, you know, we didn't get it. That includes school clothes, the, our washer, our dryer, our, our appliances, and they made the stuff. Now, maybe we get more sophisticated today, but man, I tell you, there's something to that. There's something to yeah. that. Yeah, same thing with the craftsman tool. Getting, get, yeah, they got to just get back to curation, putting the customer first. You got it. You got it. So what opportunities have you seen for entrepreneurs as a result of this pandemic? 
Oh, I mean, I think every, every hardship creates huge opportunities. And I think that um, you always have to look at what those pain points are and what the shifts are in the market. Now, I personally have tried to spend so much time pulling away from my business and giving myself time to think, time to learn about what's going on in the world, learn what's happening in, in social media, because it's changing so rapidly. Um, I think there, there's all kinds of cleaning type opportunities. I mean, I hear from a lot of people who are starting cleaning and disinfecting type businesses, organization businesses. I see these great personal trainers and, and fitness gurus who are taking things online, sharing information, teaching. And there, there are so many different opportunities that I think are presenting along with a whole suite of, of product opportunities that entrepreneurs can go after. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break and come back. I want to talk about content and a whole bunch more. Gosh, I don't, I'm, I'm going to run out of time with you, Evan. All right. Listen to this and come right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back. A live cast on LinkedIn and on Facebook. This is Jeffrey Hazlett. You're on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio, the number one and largest business podcast network. And I'm talking with Evan Dash, CEO of Storebound. You know, Evan, you guys practice this, and I love that you do because I think this is the thing to do. That is become your own content machine. Come become your own media company. And you've got Rachel doing demos. You've got the team doing demos. You know, you're you're cooking, you know, showing people how to cook with the stuff. That's that's a big part of why you've been successful, isn't it? That was the non-negotiable when we started. Um, when I brought in my, my head of marketing, um, she and I sat down and, and talked about the importance of content and connecting. And at the time, we were thinking about Facebook. And my kids were in the office one day showing us Instagram. And we said, there's something to that. And yeah. <laughs> we went after Instagram in a big way, but we were in this little New York City office. We were all crammed in there. And right smack in the center of it, we built a studio. And we were just, you couldn't believe, I mean, if you pulled the camera back, you couldn't believe what you'd see going on around these videos that we were making. But yeah. where, our, where our competitors were going out and saying, look at this new product or look at us at the Food and Wine Festival, we were going out and saying, here's a healthy recipe, here's a healthy recipe. We were giving the consumer something of value to them. So they did the most important thing that we could get done at that time was they would click that follow button and they'd say, I want you in my feed. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I bought an Instapot, you know, and, and now I'm part of the Instapot community on Facebook and I see stuff all the time. Uh, that's all I ever see. Hey, we've got a couple minutes left. I want to make sure we get into a big project. You and I saw something that was out there, right? And yep. all of a sudden you were doing something. I called you one day and I said, e e Evan, I need some help with this. I want to go sell secure products, good products to businesses because there's all this fraud out there. They're going to have to go back to work. And you go, well, I'm doing that. And, and then I said, well, well, what do we do it together? So talk about what we're doing together now. I mean, literally, that was literally, I don't know, a week, two, two weeks ago. So yeah. uh, my, my team is, um, and myself, I mean, my, my wife, we are adamant about doing good in the communities that we're serving, which is just a growing, growing list of communities. And one of the things that initially we felt like we could do is we could use our supply chain and our reach to manufacturing to get personal protective equipment into the front lines. So we were getting our hands on whatever we could, donating it in primarily into hospitals and medical facilities where we had um, friends and family members working. Um, yeah. 
what we realized and learned in the process is how ridden with fraud it is, how difficult it is to get your hands on truly FDA or CDC. Certified. Yes, certified. That is a big, big deal. And we're seeing all kinds of fraud and, and product coming out of places that you would not want that equipment made. And when I saw what you were doing, and now we're getting to the point of, you know, 3M has really branched out and they're, they're feeding the hospitals and the frontline medical facilities. Which we went awesome. at it as together as we, America's got to get back to work. And as they're going back to work, they need to be protected. So we're offering those uh, medical supplies or those protective supplies that are not necessarily meant to be used by frontline people in the emergency room, in the hospitals, caring for COVID patients, but will certainly protect people on job sites, in restaurants, in places where they have to be in contact with the public. And the fact that I was able to work with you and team up with a trusted network like like C-Suite Network, where you have you're such a known entity in in that business group, so that we could sell the right product, make it available to them, make sure that we're not gouging on the price, that we're selling everything at at fair pricing, and then do some things together to give back to the communities. Yeah, right now, of course, we're just talking about C-SuiteSupplies.com, C-Suite S-U-I-T-E Suite supplies.com. We stood this up in less than a week, week and a half, and already uh, helping tons and tons of businesses. And we're going to see more and more go go through as we expand the marketing. In fact, I, I was talking to somebody today that was looking for half a million masks. And I told him what our retail price is, what we're going to charge him. He says, my gosh, that's, you know, that that's the cost. I go, no, it's not the cost, but no, it's not much, but you know, we're, we we'll make a small markup to be able to keep doing what we're doing, but no, that's what we're trying to do. And again, what I would call these, you know, medical grade and indu- for, for retail and industrial meaning for work, yeah. right? That's yep. what we're doing. And we only picked one or two and we picked the ones we, we thought that we would need, we would use in our business, how we would use them. And then we did some other ones. We do, we got a couple on there because we know that, some of the people want uh, more permanent masks. Some people want uh, stuff that they can, you know, um, uh, refill. A little bit more fashionable. Um, yeah, more fashionable. We got some people because you and I both got wives. And we got other people and uh, you know, like to look good. And, you know, you know, so therefore, I got a face for TV, so I have to have a nice one. You know, there, you know things like that. <laughs> hey, well, let me ask you one more last question before we go. What? Um, well, 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 maybe a couple more. Maybe if I try to squeeze them in if I can. Um, what? What about marketing what what are you doing on marketing right now are you doubling down you're cutting back what what are you doing because a lot of people Uh, are like oh we got to stop we got to stop and i'm going like no no that i mean that i think that that is the worst thing you could do first thing we did we pulled our whole team together we said no layoffs no furloughs no salary reductions we are going to work through this thing whatever it is however long it lasts what we need from you is help us connect better with the consumer and help us put distance between us and our competition and like the you know the the concerns and the fears started to come down people are working with confidence and we've doubled down on product development innovation marketing all of those things and we're already reaping benefits from that faster than I would have expected. Yeah. And that, and I think that's what we are. We're business first responders. I, I love that you're operating with what I call hero actions, you know, with putting your people above profits. And we, we've done the same thing and I'm doing my very best to hold that. It's not easy to do. Not you know, that, all, but that, that's why I love working with you. I mean, there's that same, never have to question what the mindset or motivation is. No going into it that, um, that the guard doesn't need to be up. We can really just focus on doing the right things for the people that we need to serve. 
Yeah. And by the way, let me, let me also talk about Evan and I don't have an agreement in place yet, a real written agreement, but we got a handshake virtually, but, but, but we will tie that into a written agreement because one, that's what you should do. And we've had a very transparent conversation. So, so that that's all about trust folks and about how you do it. And it's a great way to do it. So Evan, I got to thank you. We're going to have you back because we want to talk more about this transition, what businesses should do, entrepreneurs should do. I got some great gyms. I wrote them down. I got two, two real ones. Well, I'm going to leave everybody with this one and I'm going to give the other one in my wrap up a little bit later in the show, but he said something I want to make sure you heard. When you're in that C-suite spot, he was talking about how he helps other C-suiters because he's been in that same spot to take care of problems. When you're in the C-suite, that's all you do. You don't get a chance to really to go and look at the growth in the future as much as you think that we do. Most of our time is spent incoming and it just comes at you like crazy and you're just trying to mitigate uh, failures. That's, that's the best thing I can tell you. Is that right, Evan? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so we, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for being right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Always great. Thanks again. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. I've got a great guest coming up, and we're going to be talking about mindfulness and, and being aware and uh, just coping with all the stuff that's going on right now. But before that, I want to tell you a little bit more about what I learned in this episode or this part of the episode. And it was really about you got to set some time aside to think, to think, to see what else is going on out there in the world. That's your job is to look at the 40,000 foot view, 50,000 foot view. That's your job uh, for the most part. Real strategic, you know, thinkers inside the business. If you're a C-suite leader, you're, you need to really sit back because we said, you know, most of your time is just, you know, drinking from a fire hose. Your time is not your time. And something causes a problem, you don't have the time. But hey, are you watching for the trends? Are you listening for the trends? Are you seeing what's going on? Everything is changing. With everything changing, you got to be ready. You don't want to be behind, okay? You want to be the lead dog, not the last dog in that dog pulling sled, okay? My next guest is one of our Thought Council members. This is an exclusive invite-only group for some top thought leaders, coaches, trainers, authors, speakers, and she has a 36-year-old career that has combined traditional psychotherapy with body awareness, energy psychology, neuroscience, and spirituality. She combines the Eastern traditions with the Western learning theory. I'm telling you, she's at the top of her game. And I just love having her in our thought council because she's so insightful for so many of our top leaders. And so think about it right now in a time full of uncertainty for many, how do we turn a negative mindset into a positive one? How do we get unstuck from all the negativity that's out there, all the fake news that's going on that's happening all around us and and how do we move forward well Tina Greenbaum is the CEO of Mastery Under Pressure and she can answer those questions for us and does in this interview it's a really great discussion hey Tina welcome to all business well thank you Jeffrey thanks so much for having me <laughs> well it's so good to have you and be a part of it you're out in the you're out in the, the spiritual center of the world out out near um, San Francisco all that great energy near you're right near Berkeley too I am right outside of Berkeley but I'm an East Coaster so when I moved out here six years ago I just kind of like fell right in yes well tell me tell me you haven't gone to wearing Birkenstocks yet right I have not but I am going gray. 
<laughs> we're all going gray. Who, who doesn't go gray? I've been gray ever since I got struck by lightning. Um, I, you know, I turned gray right away. I, you know, no, it was like, I'm not a hippie. I was never a hippie, but. <laughs> uh, well, that's okay. Hey, there's been a lot of negative news out there. It, you know, it's everywhere. Every time you look in your Facebook feed, anytime you pick something up, let's start with the basics. How should we be coping with everything that's going on? Well, I think my, the best question that I can answer, and I, I use this all the time myself, is what's in my control, what's out of my control? Yeah, that's, like Ooh, that's good. I like that. That's just yeah. the operative question. That's the first thing that comes up to me as soon as I feel anxious. And it's not like I don't feel anxious because I do. You know, we've got family yeah. members and businesses and everything. It's what I do with that anxiety. Number one, <clears throat> you have to recognize it. If you make pretend that it doesn't exist, then you're actually fooling yourself and you're putting these feelings behind you and you're, you're living in avoidance and that takes up energy. Yeah, you're, you're, you shouldn't be in such a positive mindset that you don't acknowledge what else is going around you. Or it'd be like saying, oh, the building's not, not burning and it's actually your, your couch is on fire. Exactly. Okay. So, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I use actually rather than positive thinking because I think it's sometimes it's very serendipitous. It's like, ah, yeah. I call it productive thinking. Do my thoughts produce something useful for me? And so you have to acknowledge your thoughts. You have to be aware of what, how you're talking to yourself. And as soon as that fear comes in and as soon as that what if, that what if, and this is going to happen, I ask myself, is this going to take me to a useful place? And if it's not, then I have to substitute it with something else that is productive. Okay, so I can't change everything that's going on. Believe me, I wish I could and have people put their heads on straight. And are you kidding me? But I can't do that. So what I have to do is for myself and the people that I connect with and the people that I reach out to. Let's look at what we can do. We know what we can't. Yeah. We know what we can't do. But right. it's really what I, what can I do? Yeah. So some of that's got to be not necessarily turning off that other side. Cause I don't think you should turn it off because yeah. then you're in this bubble and a lot of people, and I think a lot of people are in bubbles right now because they just said, I'm not watching the news anymore. Whoa, 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 whoa. You, you, you know, you, by the way, especially some younger folks, I've, I've got kids and they don't have the internet, you know, they don't have cable. They don't have the local news channel and they're not watching that and they should be. You know, because I think you have to have some balance. So it should really not be turning it off, but it should be filtering it a little bit, right? That's right. So the way that we do it around, that I do it anyway, is I yeah. take in what I need to know. Every yeah. day I need to know what's happening. And then when it starts to repeat, because that's what happens, you put it on one hour and you put it on another hour, even within the hour, the, the, you know, the, the, the casters are saying the same thing over and over. All right, I've got my news. Yeah. Okay. And then I also pay attention to how it makes me feel because mm. if it's starting to bring me down, that doesn't help me. Um, it's yeah. no new information. It's not, you know, again, data, information, facts. Yes. Great. And then that's it. Yeah. That energy, that feeling that all that could be, you know, if you're listening to news, it becomes obsessive, right? Or, yeah. or if you get in conversations with the, that, it becomes obsessive. It's amazing how many people have become Corona or, or Corona or, or, or COVID uh, experts, experts. That, that were before. <laughs> Listen, that's not what you did. So shut up. Stop passing on this fake news, this information. So how do we turn all that negative into not positive, to use your word, but productive? And how can we channel that energy? Because I think it, it to me, it's energy to become a, a real positive or a productive force. So again, it, everything starts with the level of awareness. 
Um, you know, we use the term mindfulness now. It's a very ancient term, but mindfulness means being aware in the present moment mm-hmm. without judgment. Mm. So I can't judge the way that I feel. I just feel that way. All right. Now yeah. that I notice that I feel this way, what can I do? What can I do to make it better? So if I, I take a lot of times, I work a lot with um, the concepts of sports psychology. So I say, if you were an Olympic level athlete, how would you compete in a high pressured situation? So this is a very high pressured situation for everyone. And so we have to learn the skills that they have actually worked on over and over and over again. So the thoughts come in. It's not like they don't come in. It's not like we, they don't exist because the mind brings up negativity by its nature because we're always on alert. That's the way we're designed. The mind is always on alert. So I don't want to live on that alert piece all the time. So I recognize it's coming in. Okay. Are you helpful? No, you're not helpful. Okay. So I'm going to put you over here and I'm going to refocus my energy on something that is productive, something that I can do. You know, this, this time in terms of I've had more connections with more amazing people because they've been more available to me online than, you know, meeting one by one by one by one. Again, not that I want to eliminate that one by one because I love it, but taking advantage of what is available to us. And part of being part of the C-suite, you've made a lot of things available to us. And I've just met you know, people in in our tribe that have just been awesome, just absolutely awesome. Well, they help get us through and there's different, there's different people for different things, depending on different needs or times that we need them for. Right. You know, that's, what's so cool about having, you said tribe network and network, and that's what we're doing. Hey, listen, I, uh, I want to come back and talk about judging because I thought that was interesting in the mindfulness discussion or awareness. I've always called it awareness and and we'll talk about that in just a second. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Okay, we're back and we're live casting on LinkedIn and Facebook as we are doing this every single day with All Business with Jeffrey Hazel on C-Suite Radio, the number one and the largest business podcast network in the world. And we're so excited to have Tina Greenbaum, the CEO of Mastery Under Pressure. And boy, everybody's under pressure right now. We were talking a little bit about mindfulness. I've always called it awareness. You know, I've always, I, I've always kind of been in a, although most people would find me to be a very judgmental person because of my personality. Then I'm like, you know, a cowboy and I'm this, you know, rogue kind of guy, big guy, loud, obnoxious, you know, a little bit of all that stuff. But I think most people would, would be surprised is I'm a fairly even killed person for the most part. And then I'm a very non-judgmental, meaning I take people for what they are. I don't try to judge people. I try to look for good in all things and wherever possible, unless I find out you're being harmful, then like you said a minute ago, I set you aside. I'll remember that. I'll still respect you unless you're being very harmful. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but, it's hard not to judge. It's hard not to, when something's coming at you, a person's coming at you, it's hard for, I, I call it looking for the pony in there, right? The good thing sometimes. I'm always looking for that. And so how can you avoid that in, in being mindful? So the, the operative word again is notice. Mm-hmm. This is what I notice. Notice doesn't have a judgment. Yeah. I notice that I, this person is really kind of turning me off. I noticed. And by the way, notice could be see, feel, Absolutely. gut. It could be their Absolutely. words, could be all those things that That's trigger right. that. 
And a yeah. lot of what, you know, a lot of the work that I do is a body mind experience. So yes, yeah. noticing the sensation, I feel a pit in my stomach. I feel anxious. I feel this, I feel that, you know, how I'm thinking all of these things are information. So we operate from the unconscious. The unconscious operates all our, really, our behavior, our judgments, our actions. And so if we are not connected to that part of us, we're only working with half a death. Yeah. Right? So as we become more aware of ourselves, I always say that good mental health is not a natural sport. It's a learned sport. And mm. it's about really becoming super, super aware of, of what, how you operate. Because once we work on ourselves first, then we bring ourselves to every other situation. You know, so yeah. I say, if you want to change the world, it starts by changing yourself and becoming really self-aware and notice when you're judgmental. Notice the kind of people that you, you're attracted to. Notice what happens when somebody says something that feels really, you know, not in integrity. And, and so that then becomes... Once we have an awareness of how we operate, then we get to choose our behavior. Yeah. So when we go back to that subject of control, a lot of people think that control means controlling external events, external people, you know, all, all the, no, it really means I'm in charge of me. And then I respond to react in the way that I choose. So kind of going back to how you, you operate, that's how you, yeah. you choose your behavior. So not a lot of people are, you know, certainly trained psychiatrists or counselors, but there's a lot of, a lot of grief going on, a lot of loss going on. Um, I, I'm, I was talking to some parents the other night, you know, uh, that they're really struggling because their kids are missing out on things. You know, um, they're worried about some of these kids because they're going to be affected in some way. H how can we recognize uh, some symptoms in people you know, that might be going through this. Cause I, you know, we're in our own little cocoon. We're not with people like we used right. to be. Right. How can I sense that, you know, over a zoom call or how can I sense that through other people or through email? I mean, what can I look for? So loss is, mm -hmm. you're exactly right. That's we're going through so much loss and people don't even recognize what it exactly how it feels. Loss is it. We feel it in the heart. <laughs> And yeah. so when, when you're talking to somebody and you're beginning to feel compassion and empathy for that person, there's a sense that this, that you're pulling into something that they're feeling and you're sort of tapping into their, into their own energy. And so loss and grief has a lot of different combinations. I actually have a little talk that I just did recently for a company on loss and Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is one of the, the you know, she, she did a lot of things on death and dying, but she talked about the, the, the different stages of, of grief and they don't all come at the same time. So there's anger. Yeah. There's depression. There's bargaining, you know, and, and at some point we come to acceptance. Yeah. And so you may feel or hear any one of those things that may be very much related to, to the loss that people are experiencing, which it is. I mean, you can't be living and breathing on this planet without feeling it. Yeah. You know, by the way, she, she wrote a great book. Uh, when my mother was passing, I reached out to, I, I believe it was you and a number of other people. And I said, please tell me which books I should read. And, and that her book was unbelievable and so spot on. 
Um, I read three books during the last couple of weeks of my mother's death because I wanted to prepare myself a little bit and then also help others in my family. Right. It was a very, very good book. I, I can't even remember the name of it, but go look it up, folks. Uh, one, you know, you, we talk about loss, but there's also some real gains here, though, too. I mean, let, let's I mean, I have never talked to my family as much as I'm talking right now. And we're doing Zoom chats We're and we're and I've got different factions of family, man. I've got a blended family. And so we're but we're talking about 10, 15 people getting on chats now. Right. We're playing playing games on it. We're playing games, Pictionary. We're doing you know, I'm calling my stepfather a lot more who's 90 years old. He doesn't like to talk on the phone. But nonetheless, I get him on there for at least a minute at a time, you know. We're seeing some of that, too. Isn't there some positives that come through this? Absolutely. So it comes back to, again, what can I do? Um, I'm having conversations with my three sons who are all across the country and and one of them in particular that is just amazing. The kinds of conversations that we're having that we never have time. He doesn't have time. And and now maybe mom knows a couple things. (laughs) (laughs) And so. so again, it's so the whole piece is that attitudinal shift. Yeah, it's very hard to change. I had a conversation with another person, you know, that's part of the C-suite yesterday. And we were talking a lot about change and and people are not want to change. And also we live in a great time of great uncertainty and uncertainty brings up a lot of anxiety. You know, well, you talk about that. And I think we, we are, um, although I, you know, I kind of, I don't, I won't say I joke, but I'm, when I, when you're like somebody like me, who's made our, what I've done a living and doing what I do and in charge of, you know, we're never always in charge. Let's be clear okay, folks. Right. Okay. Now, a lot of people think that we control our destiny. We don't, the destiny controls us in terms of what happens, the experience, like we're going through right now, who would have ever envisioned this, but how you deal with it how you mitigate that, how you navigate that, that I can control and that I will control. And so for me, it's, it's, it's easier, but nonetheless, it's difficult. And for, for a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people who run business, a lot of C-suite, you've got a little bit more like experience, which leads to the power of how you control that. But how can I help my employees mitigate the fears of the unknown? Well, I think again, we start out with, we acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. We have to acknowledge it. And the the truth is, it's reality because we don't know what happens next. The fact that we have this predictable future is a myth. Yeah. (laughs) But we didn't have it before. We never have it. We never never had it. I mean, I think that's a big thing. But the other thing is, you know, I'm doing a better job, I believe, of being much more transparent Mm -hmm. with the team. Right. Like really laying it out for them. Like you need to understand that making payroll every two weeks is not an easy thing to do. Okay. And yeah. And and by the way, our growth was hard for us before and caused financial issues, meaning we can't buy everything, can't spend everything. It's slow. It's slow. You know, it's even worse now. Right. Do you you think that's a good thing to do? Just like to be fully transparent or I call it radically transparent. Well, again, so if you think about a parent and yeah. what, what children need, children yeah. need a parent to be in charge. They need to feel safe. Right. At the same time, they also need to feel real. Yeah. So I think it, there's a balance that that's why it's so great when when the CEO has, has somebody else to talk to, 
because something yeah. because it's very lonely at the top. Yeah, like a C-suite network or what, or or our thought council group, you know, because exactly. we have this thought council group which you're part of, and it's the it's the you know invite only experts, coaches, trainers, thought leaders, and we get together and talk about our stuff. That's right. right. So yeah. you know, again, as as a as a as a counselor, as a therapist, as a co- we we all need to have somebody else to talk to, because we only can put so much onto our clients. We want to be transparent. We want to be real, but we also want to provide a sense of safety. Yeah. And, and so I think it's just incredibly, incredibly important that everybody has somebody to talk to because there's a wonderful term. It's called compassion fatigue. You know, we feel so much, we give so much, we are so much. And then who takes care of the caretaker? Who takes care of the, mm. um, so it's yeah, we need to, yeah, well, we, you know, look, I'm, a, I'm one of those, right? Yeah. I, I need to have my batteries recharged right. and, you know, and bacon and scotch only do so much of that. Okay. That's right. <laughs> and we, we talked about that a while back when this all happened, you know, and you were going right. you were flying here and doing this and doing that. I said, Jeffrey, come on, you know, yeah, right. you got to take care of yourself. And so I yeah. think it's a really critical because we're so used to being, you know, I can take, you know, I'm in charge. Macho or being the sea leader or being the person in charge that, yeah, but it's, you know what? Let me tell you, folks, listen in right now. Thank yous go a long way. Mm-hmm. Thank you go a long way. Appreciation for good deeds. Appreciation for doing the right thing. If you're listening there and you're an employee in an operation right now, you, you know, you'd be surprised how many thank yous a CEO actually gets from his, his or her team, mm-hmm. right? And those are remembered. Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> they're cherished and they're remembered. And, um, and they, they're quite frankly, for a lot of people who are in charge, I mean, I, you say what you want to about Trump, you say what you want about leaders of countries, but you know, they, they, they didn't get drafted to that. They agreed to sign up for it and they're doing it and they're volunteering for the most part to do it. You know what? I, even if I don't disagree, I disagree with a lot of the stuff like he might do or others might do. I appreciate what they're trying to do. And the roles that they do. And so we need we need more of that and less of, hey, you idiot, you pig or whatever it might be. Anyway, let me ask you this one last question. So it's it's not it's not easy doing what we do It's easy for leaders. There's a great deal of discomfort around it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you got to have hard discussions. You have to confront, look in the mirror and confront certain things. You have to you see behaviors or you see things that that employees or team members might do. You got to deal with it because you have to. So how how should leaders uh, welcome those feelings of discomfort? You you work with what's the highest value, mm-hmm. what's the highest good. And so if the highest good is the health of an organization, and it's also the health of the people that you're working with, you don't do anybody any favors by passing over and not looking and not bringing it up and not talking about it. It doesn't mean that you fire somebody right off the bat. And, but the fact that, that you, that you notice and that you care enough to give somebody that constructive feedback. You know, a lot of times people would say to me all the time, you know, I'd get a lot of wonderful kudos and I said, but tell me something that I can learn from. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. I appreciate really the fact that, that you think I'm really good at this and I, and I, I really do appreciate it, but I want to keep growing. I want to keep learning. And if I don't hear it, then, you know, I, I'm just left to my own devices. So it's always in the highest good. 
you know, even even in personal issues and things that you have to do with kids and the hard, the, you know, the the tough love kinds of things. They're, they are yeah. love. They really yeah. are. I didn't like putting my kids in a restriction. I didn't like that. Or yeah. timeouts. Although my daughter got pretty good at timeouts. If Lindsay, you're listening right <laughs> now. I can smart, remember, right? <laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay, I used to love Lindsay, but there are a lot of times she'd know she did something wrong and she just walked over to the corner for timeout by herself because she knew. <laughs> I love that. That's awareness. That's being mindful. That's being mindful. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Tina, thanks so much for joining us. You, you are so much comfort and help and, and give so much insight to people. And so thank you for what you do. We've been talking with Tina Greenbaum. Now, Tina is the uh, the CEO of Mastery Under Pressure. So you need, we're all under pressure right now. So make sure that you check in with Tina and get to know her a little bit better and go and find her. All the details are right in our show notes and everything else. We appreciate it. So Tina, thanks for joining us right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thank you. As I say at the end of every show, I like to talk about the things I learned. I'm telling you what I learned today. Not everything's in your control. Not everything's in your control. You need to decide what's in your control. You can go fix that. You can go work on it. You can work at it, okay? You might not always be able to fix it, but at least you can get somewhat in control of the things you can control. And what's not in your control? You let it go. You let it go. Nothing you can do about it. So move on. Don't worry about it. Don't whine about it. Don't cry about it. Don't do all those things. Don't don't fret about it. Don't obsess about it, okay? Just control the things you can control, you know what? And you'll you'll do pretty good if you can get that done. That's what I learned right here in All Business with Jeffrey Hazel on C-Suite Radio. Don't forget, tell your friends. We need more friends listening to the show. I just want to help as many people as I can. As a business first responder, I'm going to do as much as I can. So I think ask you to do as much as you can by inviting others. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. We'll see you again soon. This is Jeffrey Hazel on All Business on C-Suite Radio. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.